everyone. Welcome to this special episode of Windsor's Inside Pulse. I am Christine Brooks. I'd like to remind you that the views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the co-hosts and or their guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of CJAM, other media outlets or any political parties. Today we're March 15th, 2021 and I am joined virtually by a special guest that you have heard on Windsor's Inside Pulse before as he ran for the Ward 7 by-election. He is a Chrysler worker and a labor activist and unlike some of last year's by-election candidates, he does live in that ward. So my, <laughs> guest, <laughs> so my guest is interested in politics and well, the way I see it in getting things done. Today, he is here to discuss something that has been in the paper recently and will be debated at City Council as well. I want to welcome Mike Malott. Hello, Mike. Hi, Christine. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your opinion on this and your arguments. So thank you for coming on Windsor's Inside Pulse today. How did you get involved with this issue? Uh, that is trying to get the city of Windsor to provide feminine hygiene products in their facilities. And why is this issue so important in your opinion? Oh, thanks. Thanks for asking me that because um, I, I run into that issue every once in a while when people say, you know, why is this something you're involved in? Isn't it kind of creepy that a, a guy is pushing the agenda for feminine hygiene products and, well, I you know, maybe not at all. I don't know. Oh, no, I, I get it because uh, no, I, I get this, you know, from, from know. people in the community. And, and uh, when I had listened surprised. to that, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, we, um, I have a twin sister. We grew up in extreme poverty to a, a single mother. Uh, she got pregnant when she was 15, and due to a highly Catholic, very religious household, uh, she was forced to leave the house with, with, with twins. So we, we grew up uh, on the social programs. We grew up on welfare. We, we uh, didn't have stable housing. Um, I think uh, my grade school years, I think we went to nine grade schools in, in uh, eight years. So we were bounced around quite a bit um, while my mom put herself through school and ultimately be became a nurse. Um, it was when I also hosted a, a show on CJAM. I was uh, presented by presented with an opportunity to have uh, an amazing woman come on the show by the name of Maureen Curtis, who was a community outreach for the United Way. And they were looking at uh, bringing a program down from London called Tampon Tuesday. So she was on the show to talk to us about it, the importance of it. Uh, it was relatively new to me, um, especially, you know, the information and some of the challenges and barriers that face women in the community in regards to feminine hygiene products. So having a lunch with my mom one afternoon and, and knowing, you know, that we, we didn't grow up uh, in the best of conditions due to her financial situation, I, I asked her, if, you know, we hear those stories all the time where, you know, or you see the commercials, you know, you shouldn't have to sacrifice food to pay your hydro bill, you shouldn't have to sacrifice yeah. this to pay your rent, right? Um, you know, you really ask yourself, is it true? Or is it just gaslighting? Is it a, you know, make you feel guilty statement? So I asked my mom, after we had done this show on CJM about feminine hygiene products, uh, if she ever ran into this, it, was this an issue for you? Did you ever have to pull your products off of the, off the belt at the grocery store to, you know, pay for your food because you were on a very tight budget? And she said, yeah, I did. And, and then, you know, when you're out for lunch, just to have a casual catch up lunch with your mom. Um, the, the, the next couple stories were absolutely horrifying and, and I thought it was just wrong. And then when I sit there and I correlate what we're about to get involved in with Tampon Tuesday, I, I always teach my, my children that 
Uh, charity is just a mask for justice. So we, we are about to hold a, a one-day event to make sure all the food banks are fully stocked with feminine hygiene products because they're in such high demand. Um, something's got to be done about this. This, this. Something wasn't right, and it didn't sit well with me. So it, it's not hard to find that information out there. Um, a, a lot At the beginning, that was uh, 2015, uh, a lot of those um, grassroots groups were starting to pop up about feminine hygiene products. Um, not so much being provided for free, because this isn't about for free. This is about removing barriers, right? That that women face. Yes. So when when you when you when you look at um, the first of all this the stigma of it, right? I mean, it's not something that's openly talked about. So what we would do is um, to help raise funds for Tampon Tuesday. I would hold within Windsor Assembly Plant. We would hold a draw. Um, we were very very successful in getting businesses and people to donate gifts. So, I mean, every year we've been able to raffle off um, a large screen TV, iPads, gift baskets from local stores. Uh, I think one year our prize list was, was in excess of, of $4,000 worth of prizes. Um, it, it was having those conversations with people when you're trying to sell the tickets that really caught on to it. That people don't want to have, but people were throwing money at me to get me out of their area, get me out of their face. Okay, Mike, I just don't want to talk about the female cycle anymore. Here's 20 bucks. Just get out of here. Uh, you know, it's not hard for me to talk about it. I, I, I particularly don't find it very embarrassing. Um, well, yeah, I know what be, it shouldn't be for anyone. Um, so that's the problem, right? That, that's the, thing, the stigma. Uh, I think uh, the same thing uh, as you on that, definitely. Um, and I don't think uh, it should be a stigma for men, for transgender, for anyone to talk about their bodies. And yeah, right on. And to say whatever they have to say about their bodies. Absolutely. I agree with you on that 100%. You, you mentioned that it was, I'm going to jump to question three because what you just mentioned about uh, really it is a question of justice. And um, so uh, that's what I've been reading uh, about. Uh, I mean, some people say that this is an issue about gender equality as well. Um, and I have a, um, I, I showed you the article, it was in Newsweek, how making sanitary products free is a key moment in gender equality. I will be posting it with our, um, with our uh, interview. And two years ago, um, uh, Scotland became the first country in the world to provide feminine hygiene products to students in schools, colleges, and universities through yep. a government program and to tackle what was labeled as period poverty. I have to tell you that I didn't know the term. So basically menstruation cycles causing uh, temporary poverty and actually uh, causing um, a, a lot of trouble for, for women and uh, uh, young women maybe in particular, but then single women, etc. cetera. Uh, definitely the idea of poverty linked to it. Um, another um, article in USA Today, Again, the idea of, of free tampons, pads, addressing period poverty. Uh, this has a price tag in uh, Scotland of 32 million US dollars. Should Canada be emulating Scotland in your opinion? Um, I mean, absolutely. Um, and when you look at um, Canada has already recognized that um, feminine hygiene products are essential. So there's step number one. But, you know, I think the federal government is only a half measure because in 2015, they removed uh, the taxes on all feminine hygiene products. So they've recognized that these products are essential. They're, it's a health and safety issue. It's an equity issue. 
Um, and it, I, you know what, contrary to what most people believe, it, it's not just a woman's issue. Because when you look at the amount of women that either, you know, it, uh, most studies reveal that uh, two thirds of, of women between the ages of 15 and, and 55 have had to withdraw from some sort of activity, whether it be, uh, and activity is um, broad based. So we're talking about either remove themselves from work, participating in a program, participating in a sport either doing something with their family due to lack of access to these products, right? Wow. Now, I mean- What was the, the percentage there? Because that's an important percentage. What was the percentage you gave on So that? two thirds, two thirds, about 66%. Yeah, yeah, have had to right? forego, yes. That's huge. So, I mean, we can talk numbers here. I mean, so when we look at, um, I mean, over the course of a, a female lifetime, I mean, this is where people get really uncomfortable. But I mean, these are the numbers that we deal with. So the average female is going to have uh, approximately 450 cycles throughout the course of her lifetime, uh, which equates to thousands of tampons. So it's, it's estimated that the average female spends anywhere between $1,500 and $2,500 minimum throughout the course of the lifetime for feminine hygiene products. So right there, there's a disadvantage, right? Um, when you look at, uh, I mean, the, the rabbit hole goes deeper. So you can search at that you know, on average, uh, women have spent upwards, the average female spends over $2,000 uh, in their lifetime replacing undergarments that were damaged due to lack of access to these products, right? So if you want to keep spinning it and spinning it and spinning it, you know, one of the biggest polluters of our water is the garment industry. So I mean, there, there's a ton of aspects to this that just makes sense that um, the point of use and when I had listened to your show, I, I have to admit, when I listened to the show, I, I was a little angry, um, but, you know, I, I, I mean, a little frustrated due to the lack of education, but it, I'm glad that you talked about it because it had been brought up about condoms. So, and I get this a lot, right? Um, you know, well, if we're going to make feminine hygiene products free, why not adult diapers? Uh, why not condoms? Well, condoms are free. Um, you, you, you can get condoms are available in Windsor at most teen health clinics, um, some other clinics downtown in the core condoms are free now why not in the bathroom well I, I certainly hope that uh, uh, the condom is not the point of use in the bathroom like feminine hygiene are feminine hygiene products are a point of use in the bathroom right so uh, when you add that to it um, and I mean it, it's it's simply stated toilet paper is free right hand soap is free uh, paper towels are free why are why do feminine hygiene products get a pass? Why aren't they provided? I mean, this isn't, like I said, this isn't about a freebie. This isn't about giving it. This is something that every woman has to deal with throughout the course of her life. This is, a, it just seems like it's a no brainer to me that, that, that these products aren't provided for free. So you look at now in the past five years, um, you know, being a Windsor right, we know that uh, regularly we compare the services available to us to our closest neighboring city, uh, London. And a lot of us get frustrated because we say the funding stops in London. Mm -hmm. So I feel a natural competitive state with the city of London. Mm -hmm. And when I see London make these products free, we have the entire national media calling London a trailblazer for doing this. And that just pisses me off, right? we could have done this here in Windsor. And when we have uh, our leadership of the city saying they want Windsor to be a world-class city, well, this is a world-class move, right? To make these products for free. And, and London is showing that 
Um, the, some of the biggest concerns about providing these products for free in the city bathrooms is abuse. Well, I mean, of course, I mean, anything new like this, is there going to be a, a little bit of a honeymoon period? Of course. I mean, to expect it not to happen would, would be reckless. But, but the, the city of London proved that it was nowhere near what they thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it was the same thing when I'm sure I wasn't around when they decided to put stock the bathrooms, public bathrooms with toilet paper and hand soap. But I'm pretty sure the same argument existed then. People are just going to steal it. There's never going to be any toilet paper, right? People are just going to steal the paper towels. I don't see anybody rolling out of the bathroom with a roll of toilet paper when I use a public bathroom. And I certainly don't see anybody walking out with a hand soap. Yeah. So that being said, I mean, I think actually, there I have to say, I think they actually changed the system for toilet paper, maybe in part for that reason. So that they're usually the very big, large rolls. Yeah, sure. You sure. Know, like yeah. Kind of really, and or the onion kind of onion skin type of uh, paper where you sure. it's so hard to get. I'm just uh, explaining. I think there. No, I get it. And I think there have, but that's the only thing that I've seen that you're right. I mean, normally people don't go away with the soap, for example, or other things. You're right. Right. Yeah. So what you know, I I talked. I have two daughters. Um, uh, my, my youngest one started um, her cycle when she was 10 at, at school with no access to product. So, I mean, it's embarrassing for her, right? I mean, you know, the, it, it, it was visible. You could see it. Um, it put her in a very precarious position at the school because she didn't have access to the product. Okay, now I, I get this a lot too, right? Well, why don't you just be responsible and make sure that you have one in your purse if it should happen to you in public? You know what? Perfectly good argument, but ask yourself, how many times have you left your house without your car keys? How many times have you left your house without your cell phone? How many times have you left your house without your wallet or that letter you were going to mail, right? It happens. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's a national state of education on making sure that you have these products available to you. People forget it happens. Some people don't have, it's proven that a lot of females don't have access to these products at all. So it's not a it's not a stopgap to say you listen if you're if you're out of feminine hygiene products, come on down to the local arena and load yourself up. It's it doesn't happen like that. Statistics are showing that people who or sorry I shouldn't say people but women who can afford to purchase these products don't stop buying them when they're made available at the municipal level. But women have a preference. Women have a a quality preference. They have a style preference. They have a size preference. What I'm asking for is the basic, most minimalist band-aid to get that female through the day, through the moment. Well, and you made it your uh, part of your platform when you were running for Ward 7, right? That's right. And, um, and in fact, uh, the on March 10th, uh, just, just uh, passed now, the Windsor Star ran an article, uh, Mackenzie orders report on providing free menstrual hygiene products in city facilities. So that's got to make you feel good, you and your daughter Jada. I think is it Jada that is. That's it? correct. Yeah, that's and, correct. Uh, so, what sort of feedback did you receive on this issue when you were campaigning, and um, why do you think that this is being brought to council for debate now? Um, I think uh, council sees all the other centers and hubs that are, are looking at this, right? So, London has just moved out of their pilot phase and has has moved into it full-time, fully funded uh, across the city, I, I believe in over 40 
Uh, no, actually, it would be in over 70 um, municipal bathroom stations, um, whatever it may be. So, like, once again, London did the work. Um, they installed all the free dispensers. They ran a pilot program to see, obviously, they were watching the abuse to watch the, the public's reaction. And it was a huge success. They came in under budget. And like I said, they, they've done the work and they've already shown that abuse was at its minimal. There wasn't a lot of damage. Um, there wasn't, uh, you know, to what we, we, we would equate to taking more than you need theft, right? So the, the, none of that happened. So all, all those, um, uh, you know, all those concerns were alleviated. So in seeing that, uh, Waterloo is now following suit. Sarnia is now following suit. Ottawa is looking at it. And I know there are several cities uh, on the East Coast of Nova Scotia that are looking at it very closely. And when it's being brought to their city councils, it's being voted in unanimously. London supported it unanimously. So once once again, if you want to be considered a world-class city, this, this is definitely a, a world-class move. And, and, it, and it shows that you're, you know, when you, uh, when you're, you know, when you're Mr. Dilkins and you're, you're at a meeting or a convention with other mayors and other mayors asks you, you know, what are you doing to alleviate or address equality issues in your city? Hey, we just made feminine hygiene products available for every woman in our city, right? And it's a domino effect. I'm, I'm sure once Windsor supports this, and I really hope they do, it'll translate to LaSalle, it'll translate to Essex. Harrow, Kingsville, Leamington, it'll be a domino effect. This is, this is something I don't think we should be debating. Um, we, we should be talking about uh, how and when we can do this, not why. And, and, and so the cities would be doing this, but I mean, what about in schools? Basically, it, it started in um, a little bit differently, if I understand, in um, in Scotland, it started at the school, in the school system. So it was the schools, the colleges, the universities. Uh, is this a more, so it would be both? And if it is the schools as well, that would, would take on, this on, would it be then uh, through um, the Ontario government or at the uh, board level? How does this work? You know, I mean, I believe we, we definitely have to crawl before we can walk and we have to walk before we can run, right? So let's, let's get enough cities and municipalities on board, show the provincial and federal governments that this system can be properly funded, it can be properly taken care of, and that it's a success. So before we take it to the provincial and federal levels, let's show them how we made it successful at the municipal levels. Um, and you look at, you know, once again, Scotland's being called uh, the, the benchmark now. Scotland's the benchmark with a population of just little over 5 million people um, for for symmetry purposes, I believe they've they've committed thirty million dollars over the next five years. Um, you know that's a lot of free dispensers. I, I mean that's the upfront cost, right? Is the dispensering and the logistics. The product itself um, is a is a very very small fraction of the logistics involved in rolling out a program like this, right? Right. Um, so when you're a social country like this, I mean you 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 look at. Um, you know, the reason why we have socialized health care is because um, we philosophically believe that everybody should have equal access to health care, that no one should be left behind. Feminine hygiene products is the same principle. It's the same thought that, you know, once again, there's these barriers in place that sometimes prevent women from be, for being able to fully participate in society it should be dealt with. And, and it's a no-brainer. When I look at... Um, the other things that the city is spending money on, like the Celestial Beacon, uh, Adventure Bay, 
Um, I, I'm pretty sure I don't have the exact numbers, but uh, if someone wants to critique this, I'd be more than willing to uh, hear back any hear any feedback. But I'm pretty sure what it's going to cost to climate control the streetcar building would come in more than what it would cost to provide feminine hygiene products for women in this city. So when I once again, when I look at what the city's already committed to spending on projects and, and, and uh, you know, the new popular term is needs and wants. Uh, this is definitely a need and, and not a want. Yeah. So uh, the last question I would say is, um, so, I mean, basically, supposing it does go through with city council, how do they decide? Uh, how do you see them deciding what products are made available in public facilities? And what would you say to the producers of these products, the ones who get left out, for example? So, I mean, once again, that probably comes down to the tendering process, mm -hmm. um, you know, for the dispensers themselves. I believe they are a dual dispenser um, for, for pads and tampons. Um, you know, and it, the interesting part, too, is I would have like, you know what, let me correct something, too, which really drove me crazy. Brian Cross wrote a great article. The headline ruined it, though. I mean, Kieran McKenzie did not, Councillor McKenzie did not order a report. He very graciously requested a report be done that was unanimously supported, yeah. right? So, I mean, the, the information in the headline was kind of disconcerting. They made it sound like he was very militant and slamming as he was not. Actually, I, I, I watched the, the Zoom meeting and, and uh, Councillor McKenzie sees the need for it and um, council unanimously approved that report. So that's step number one, and it's a very positive step. Um, that being said, I would have liked to have seen a report be requested of how many times these machines maybe have been damaged. So ask yourself, I mean, I live off my debit cards, so I counted after I listened to your show uh, in regards to having a quarter on you to purchase these products. Um, I, I, seven out of the past nine days, I have not had any money on me. I live off my debit card. I e-transfer. I it's right. That's just, that's it's just. Yeah. So why can't it be just like a, um, uh, you know, like a park, parking meter, you, everybody has their phone. So you could just um, do it by your phone, for example. Sure. The, those, I, I'm sure that the technology involved in installing that um, in a, in a feminine hygiene product, the dispensing machine would far upset what it would be to provide them for free. Yeah. Right. So my question would be is how many times have these machines been broken into? either to steal, to steal the money out of them or to get a product when someone didn't have a quarter on them. So how much money have we spent on maintaining these pay-as-you-need machines when we could just easily, for a quarter, we can't eat that quarter? Right. I mean, I, I think it equates to the cost compared to uh, what they spent in London just for symmetry purposes. I like to say we're approximately half the population of London just for symmetry might not be quite that accurate, but just for symmetry purposes. We're half the population of London. So they fully implemented a program with dispensers for $25,000. And they're estimating it'll cost them about $9,000 a year to maintain, right? Wow. So for mm -hmm. so if we just, you know, like I said, for symmetry, slice that in half, uh, depending on the scope and how many facilities we use, um, we, we, we're fully rolling out a program for less than $13,000. And we're, we're maintaining this program yearly or annually for less than $5,000. That's a That's nothing. I mean, at the end of the day, what does that work out to resident, you know, maybe eight cents? You know what I mean? Chalk me down for an extra hundred bucks a year if it helps cover it. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I mean, when, like I said, once you look at 
how much money on things that are wants in this city that we've committed to. Yeah. Um, it's a drop in the hat. It's a drop in the yeah. hat. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any final thoughts to share on the subject? Um, I do. I, I mean, we have a, we have a real opportunity here in Windsor. Uh, like I said, um, I, it drove me crazy that the London well-deserved, but it drove me crazy that London got as much national press as they did in regards to making these products for free when it's something we could have done here in Windsor. Mm -hmm. uh, please forgive me. I don't remember the young lady's name, but uh, she was very successful last year uh, in the public school board, uh, the GED CSB, uh, in getting um, their products provided to them in the public high schools and grade schools. And uh, from what I understand, there's rumors that the Catholic school board's looking at it very closely. So maybe we'll get some movement on that in the near future. So once, once um, her name was uh, Miss Jane. So Anumita, Anumita Jane at the public school board. She was a she was a trustee, I believe. So we're in a we're in a very very enviable position here to be the benchmark in North America. If we can get them into the Catholic schools, approved at the city level, already in the public schools, um, they might be, London might be the trailblazer, but Windsor's very close to being the benchmark. And I, I, I would be very, very proud Windsor right to have that. Well, thank you so much. I mean, that was, uh, you certainly uh, made a very compelling uh, uh, arguments for, for this. And um, that was Mike Malott who came and talked with us today about making feminine hygiene products available in public buildings. Thank you, Mike, for taking the time to come and speak with us here on Windsor's Inside Pulse. To our listeners, thank you. And please like us on Facebook and pound that subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Spring is peeking through. Stay safe and healthy till next time. Thanks, everybody.